You've been lied to, but you don't know how. You've searched, you've struggled, you've cried out. You want the truth, but where is it? You've wandered, you've fought, you've strived, and you have not been satisfied. What is truth? Where is truth? Who is truth? The kingdom of God. Mind control. The last days. Higher dimensions. Unity. The power of faith. Discovering the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. God has promised that he will hide us under his feathers and under his wings we will trust. His truth shall be our shield and our buckler. Discovering the Truth with Dan Devon is the premier program that is designed to center you on the kingdom of God, to equip you with faith in Jesus Christ, and to unveil the truth behind the lies. This program is designed to show you how to become more than you have ever imagined through the power of truth. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. And now, prepare for your host, Dan Duvall. You're listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. This program is designed to center you on the kingdom of God, to equip you with faith in Jesus Christ and to unveil the truth behind the lies. This program is a production of Bride Ministries and you can find us at www.bridemovement.com and of course at www.thefireplacechurch.org. You know folks, I have a story to tell you. Once upon a time, there was a group of people that had no friends. They sat at home and wrote us emails about how they could not find Christian fellowship where they were that had any kind of fruit-bearing presence in their life. They said, Daniel, what churches do you recommend in Canada or in Utah or in South America or wherever they happen to live around the world? And I always had the same answer, which was, I don't know, because my network is not really that big. But what they were essentially looking for is an answer to a problem. They wanted Christian fellowship with like-minded believers. So what did we do at Bride Ministries? We built the Fireplace Church. And now those people who once upon a time sat at home and had no friends, maybe one or two, are having lots of friends and meeting people every week and getting into community revolving around the things that they are interested in and that God is doing in their hearts. Folks, you could be part of that company of people right now. How could I do that, Dan Duvall? How can I make a friend? Let me tell you, show up at thefireplacechurch.org on Friday nights at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. And I'll tell you what, you can be part of the miracle that has happened, an internet-based community. Wow. And you know what? 
Now, beginning in the month of September, if you have the excuse, well, I'm not available Friday nights, Dan Duvall, so what do you have for me now? Guess what I have for you? Sunday nights at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time because the Fireplace Church is moving to two services a week because we care about those of you that are not available Friday nights just as much as we care about the people that are available on Friday nights. And so what we have done, we're expanding, we are bringing and training more moderators to be prepared for Sunday night services starting in the month of September. And by the way, I was talking with some of our staff and we were like, yeah, you know, that first week in September, which is when I was planning to make the official uh, launch of Sunday evening services, um, it happens to be a holiday in America. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. That's a holiday weekend. That's right at the outset of school. People kind of travel a little bit. People have business they're taking care of. Might not be the best week to launch the first Sunday evening service. So we're pushing it back one week, which means we are actually starting the week, um, the weekend, Sunday, September 11th. That means we get to redeem the day. At Bride Ministries. We're really excited about the fact that when the devil takes a day and then God takes the same day and does something different than what the devil was trying to do, um, that's exciting. So we're saying, yeah, we're going to redeem the day, September 11th, whatever. They did something in 2001. We're starting our church services on Sunday nights that day. Praise God. And so uh, September 11th is now slated as the first day for Sunday evening services at www.thefireplacechurch.org. Same setup. You'll be able to log in. Just just go to the website. Press play. Uh, you, you'll be able to watch and, and participate in live worship, uh, followed by a message, and then you'll be able to participate in our groups. Um, this past round of recording, during our past recording week, we not only filmed services featuring yours truly, but also our director of production, Walter King Jr. and Dr. Preston Bailey. And this week, we are again in a recording cycle. We have all week we're recording and we have had the privilege of bringing in both Dr. C.R. Oliver and Dr. Rob Ruckert. So you'll get to experience these awesome men of God at the Fireplace Church in the coming months as you continue to track with us. So we're really, really excited about the privilege of being able to bring in other gifts, other offices. You know, the Bible says in Ephesians 4.11, and Jesus gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the maturing or equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. And, you know, I decided a while back, I, I really want Bride Ministries to be a place where multiple anointings are flowing so that you are equipped um, effectively. I don't believe that my anointing needs to be the only one equipping people at Bride Ministries. And so we're really excited about the ability to bring in guest speakers and to introduce their knowledge and their insights to you. So um, all of that is taking place. You know what? There's also something else that's news that I want to let you know about. This coming Sunday, and this just kind of came almost out of nowhere. It's really exciting. I am going to be in Tennessee on Sunday, Sunday, 
September 21st. And I'm going to be in Murfreesboro, Tennessee at Global Fire Ministries International, pastor by Jeff Jansen. I've been invited to minister there. Really, really exciting. It's such a privilege. Every time I am invited to speak anywhere, I, I just take it as an, an honor. You know, it's always an honor to be invited by other men and women of God to collaborate, to minister, to advance the agenda of God's kingdom in uh, you know, fellowship. And so if there are any of you in the Tennessee area, maybe near Murfreesboro or not too far, you can uh, make a trip and come and visit. Their website is globalfireministries.com. Uh, Jeff is an awesome man of God and has spoken all over the world. I mean, I, I'm so privileged to be going to their, their, their church. And so anyway, what I want to tell you is I'll be there on Sunday the 21st. So with that said, folks, um, there's a lot going on, obviously. We just got back from Australia. This week, you'll be hearing a message from while I was in Australia that was preached at Gateway Church in Adelaide. I know um, some people have written in asking, you know, is it going to be another DVD of this trip? Well, there's no DVD, not this time. Um, but what we do have, we had some awesome testimonies for the warfare, which I put out there last week. And, you know, this week you'll, you'll get to hear one of the messages that was preached out there. So um, not a total loss, just no DVDs. But, you know, we do have some DVDs from the last time we were in Australia. We still have them in stock. They're uh, just sitting there. Um, if you want an Australia DVD, you can buy the DVDs from last time. It's still good stuff. It's Kingdom Word. Great, great material. So, you know what? If you want some Australia product, jump on bridemovement.com, pick up one of the DVDs that we still have from the Confluence Conference from last year in November. Other news, obviously, we are just continuing to move forward in our agenda to help survivors of satanic ritual abuse and government-sponsored mind control agendas. It's becoming more and more obvious that the DID coaching school is absolutely mandatory. Um, we're working on it, you know, and well, it, we're dialoguing more and more about it. So next step, I'm going to begin developing modules and teachings and uh, even some shotgun training so that um, ministries can be equipped uh, even independently of the actual school, which will have much greater depth. You know, there, there's such a need, we're realizing, for ministry to brokenness, um, the soul level ministry and broken hearts and even, you know, extending not fully to the state of all dissociative identity disorder, but dissociation, degrees of dissociation leading up to that. People need healing from it all over the planet. And now there's, there's a, a demand coming on us because it's like, well, we have all the tools. We have the solutions. We are actually working with them right now. So we're, we're, we're now beginning a phase where it's like, yeah, we have to do this. Um, also, ministry to the human spirit. This has been something that, you know, we've been talking about a little bit here and there. It comes up. Um, thank you, Dr. Rob Ruckert, for bringing this to um, my attention personally. And, uh, you know, and now I do ministry to the human spirit as well. And there's been a lot of you guys out there asking, you know, how can we get ministry to our human spirit and all of that? You know, right now, the, the, the best I have um, in a large scale is to just recommend other ministry um, particularly Arthur Burke has a book called Blessing the Human Spirit, which is a very practical way to get some ministry to a human spirit. But 
um, we are looking at, you know, uh, putting our own stuff out there over time and even opening up workshops and ministering, you know, at churches and conferences in this capacity. There's uh, ever increasing desire for this. And there's no question why. I mean, the, the reality is when the, you understand the human spirit is the point of us that connects with God. And that's a, a place where people are not in alignment. It, it's really answering a lot of questions about why people do not have the experiences with God that they think they should or know they should. Um, we're learning so much. So anyway, um, all of that's coming. I mean, this is this will actually be part of the DID coaching school as well. It's, this is just a lot. And, 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 and folks, I, I just want to remind you, all this stuff that we are working on, and of course, you know, the 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 church discovering the truth with Dan Duvall, the, the DID coaching stuff, it's helping survivors, um, other agendas that we have going into the future, like getting housing for survivors that cannot even be helped in their current situation. I mean that that never went away. I just haven't talked about it in a little while. We still want to get the housing. Um, we are doing what we are doing because of your generosity, your prayers, you partnering with us is allowing us to execute kingdom business and. I'll tell you what, you've been more than generous. And what we're realizing is that, you know, the more we are able to receive, uh, the, the more we're able to do, plain and simple. And um, the, 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 the more reach we are able to maintain and grow into effectively. I want to encourage you. If you believe in the vision at Bride Ministries, what we are doing here, and you're being fed by what God is uh, doing here, Jump on board with us financially. Look, you can visit us at thefireplacechurch.org or bridemovement.com. There's donate buttons. All you got to do is click it and you can make financial contributions. We, of course, appreciate your prayers. Oh my gosh, we feel them. They are making huge impact. And I know you guys out there are praying for us. Many of you tell me, Daniel, I'm praying for you all the time. Thank you. Uh, it makes a difference with what we're up against. We need it. Also, you can write to us anytime, P.O. Box 362, Nash, Texas, 75569. And so um, with that said, we, of course, have our books, Higher Dimensions and the Parallel Dimensions in the Spirit Realm, Kingdom Government and the Promise of Sheep Nations, of course, Noah's Ark in the End of Days, our first book. Look, folks, there's so much going on, but I am not going to carry this forward any further. We're going to get you over to what was preached while I was in Australia. I think you're really going to enjoy the message. I'm going to be talking about connecting with the kingdom. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall.
This is a message from Gateway Church. We trust that God will minister to you through this teaching. For more information, please visit our website. Well, looks like my microphone is working. Praise God. Hello, everyone. Uh, I'm Dan Duvall. Thanks for being here. I want to just begin first by thanking Paul and Tracy for their um, hospitality. It's just been wonderful being with them for a week, and it's just really, really great times that we've been able to spend together, great conversations. Um, just, you, you guys have some really special people that are stewarding this house, and so I just want to give a hand clap to Paul and Tracy. So today we're going to be talking about how. How do I connect with the kingdom and with this ethereal concept called the spirit realm? Does anybody here have some familiarity with a passage that says, and has raised us up together and seated us with Christ in heaven? Anyone heard that before? It maybe once. Okay. If you haven't, you don't go here. <laughs> because I know Paul. And I'll tell you what, that is so, so important to understand. Your position in Christ, where that places you. But how many people have heard Paul say that and been like, so what? There's some quotes I'd like to read out of your minds. I hate myself. Why me? No good. I deserve this. I'm miserable. If God loved me, things would be different. Am I lying? No one wants to raise their hand. That's no, okay. I'm not. Anybody agree? Raise your hand. <laughs> So we get this message raised up, seated with Christ, kingdom. So what? Because we're disconnected from it. Has anyone ever tried to use a vacuum cleaner without plugging it in to the wall? What happens? It's kind of discouraging. It's kind of like, what's the point? Who cares if I have this cool contraption? I can use it to do something awesome, get my floor clean without bending down on my hands and knees and doing it one speck at a time. It, it, it's, it's useless if we don't know how it works. So at some point, we have to figure out that that vacuum needs to be plugged into the wall. And not only that, there's this next step. You have to push the button on. 
<laughs> so we live our whole Christian life. We, we, we get the infomercial. Vacuum! We're like, yeah! In Christ! Heavenly places! And then we get the box and we unpack it. We're like, huh. Why does God like Paul so much? What the heck? <laughs> so we're going to talk about connecting today. We're going to talk about why you are disconnected. We're going to talk about the different levels of your design. How you have been trapped because you haven't known how to partner with the Spirit of God to come into alignment with His vision for your life. His power to correct the things that have been ruined. And so, for those of you that were here Wednesday, you heard me talking about this concept called body, soul, spirit, heart. I threw out some other terms, conscious mind, subconscious mind, superconscious mind, or unconscious mind. By the way, if you want a thorough dissertation on some of these subjects, you'll find it in this book. But the Bible says... In 1 Thessalonians 5.23 And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. I pray your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's a few things here. One, you have a body, you have a soul, and you have a spirit. It is your design. That's the way God built you. There's nothing weird about this. Design. And two, you have a whole body, a whole soul, and a whole spirit. If I chop your arm off, what do you have? A part. Your body is now in pieces. But if I destroy your mind with emotional abuse, just like I can chop off your arm and put your physical body in pieces, I can put your soul in pieces. We're going to learn that I can even put your spirit in pieces. So God says in his word, I pray God... Your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless, meaning that if you can have a whole, you can have a part. The Bible says in Hebrews 4.12, For the word of God is quick, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, Bone and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. By the way, one of the cool things we deal with in our ministry, we get a lot of cooperation with the angels of the Lord for various kinds of healing. 
Daniel, there's absolutely no flow in what you're saying here. This has nothing to do with what you just read. Who cares? <laughs> I have the microphone. <laughs> and so what we have seen is that sometimes when healing is necessary in areas of the soul or spirit, God sends these special ones in. Because he's made his angels ministering spirits for those which are inheriting salvation. Anyone read Hebrews 1.14? And these particular ones will come in. And they have six wings. And they will vibrate their wings and produce frequencies that unveil the healing power of Jesus. It's quite profound. I believe some of them will be here today for you. So we're talking about, in Hebrews 4.12, the word of God is quick, powerful, and sharper than any two edges. Now you see in this passage that there is soul and spirit. We're referencing both there. And then we have another reference. It's called heart. Now, beginning a dialogue on what is soul, what is spirit, and what is heart becomes extremely tedious. It's kind of difficult to draw your lines on all of this. It's like, well, is the heart the soul? Is the heart the spirit? Is the soul the spirit? Dualism teaches that soul and spirit is just the non-physical component of you that gets saved. Anyone heard this? If you were really saved, you wouldn't be doing that. So anyone that sins is not saved? Let's get saved every Sunday. You know? And it's like, I guess God just doesn't want me saved because I just can't get out of this cycle of failure. Dualism, you got to love it, right? But if you read what the Bible says, it says that we are to press on towards um, the end of our faith, which is the saving of our souls. There's a difference between soul and spirit. When we understand what the soul is, which I'll tell you in a second, it makes all the sense in the world because the soul is a part of us that goes through a process of sanctification, of setting apart the journey is what God enjoys walking with us through. Come on. So it's actually okay to go through a process with God where we learn as children maturing into full-grown adults. It's actually okay to do that with God. To fall on your face, look at Daddy, and have him pick you up and say, No, it's okay, son. Let's keep walking. Yeah. There's a healing for your knee. It's scraped, but now it's whole. It, see, we just haven't understood the components. We don't understand what we're plugging into. We don't even know how we're made. Soul is best understood as mind, will, emotions, intellect. Has anybody ever had a thought that they would not like to share right now? <laughs> okay, why don't you come up and share? <laughs> okay, has anyone, since they've been saved, ever had an emotional response to a stimuli they're not so proud of? <laughs> Alright, now we'll just pause here, we'll get you all saved. <laughs> so, 
we're talking about, we're talking about, all right, soul, best understood as the mind, the will, the emotions, and the intellect. When we press on towards the end of our faith, which is the salvation of our souls, we're talking about a walk with Jesus that graduates us into more and more ability to live out of a mind, will, emotional capacity, intellect that reflects God. There is a place where your emotions literally respond to stimuli out of the wisdom of God. And you know, even God gets angry. <laughs> we're talking about coming into ever-increasing degrees of alignment. Okay, but look. What we're talking about here, we have soul, we have spirit. What is the spirit? Well, the spirit is what you are. Bible calls God the father of lights. And you can look at lights as spirits. And, you know, the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. So you have a spirit. But what is heart? Where does that fit in? How, how, how do you figure that into the whole conversation? We're going to be talking about that. Because the heart is on this list. It's, just, it's actually distinct. Why did the Bible do that? So we're going to go through it. We're going to go through it. And, and, and today I'm going to explain a lot of things. And some things are just going to break open for you guys. You're going to see so much more than you've been able to see about what's even been going on with you. Like that, that problem that you just can't seem to find the answer for in Christianity. Why does God like Paul so much? I'm just kidding. Okay, so... Um, I doubt he really does. Uh, it's, it's just a favor. favor isn't fair. Okay. <laughs> um, the body, right, we start with the basic, simple stuff, is our physical nature. This is this, body. So it says, may our whole body, soul, and spirit, right? So this is our, our body. Um... There are several passages that talk about the body. Ephesians 2.3 Among whom we all had our conversation in times past in the lusts of the flesh. You know, the body will have certain lusts. Fulfilling the desires of the flesh and the mind and we're by nature the children of wrath even as others. You know, the body experiences its own kinds of brokenness. Usually comes in the form of physical sickness, debilitation, these kinds of things. First uh, Timothy 4, for physical training is of some value. You know, the Bible does give us instruction. Take care of your temple. But godliness or spiritual training is useful and of value in everything and in every way. For it holds the promise for this present life and also for the life which is to come. We believe that there is a coming time in the future where... Jesus comes back and there's an event called the resurrection of the dead. We receive our bodies back to us glorified. We have a body. Now we also have the soul. And I'm going to spend a little bit more time talking about the soul. I'm already getting into it. And we're breaking it down. Hebrews 10.39 is your reference point. We are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but... Of them that believe to the saving of the soul. We're talking about that part of us that takes the journey of sanctification with God. How many people know that you walk with Jesus long enough 
That person that crossed you three years ago crosses you again and suddenly, instead of hating them, you have a heart for the brokenness out of which they are responding to you. And you don't see them for the action they're performing, but the spirits behind them for the crimes they're committing. And then you begin to look at things out of this vantage point that's higher. Almost like you begin to see things as though you were raised up and seated with Christ in heavenly place. You know, you know but this is a walk. It's a walk. It's a process of maturity. Some believers don't want to commit to a process of maturity. Well, go ahead and leave your vacuum cleaner unplugged and keep rolling it over your carpet. I'm here to help you. <laughs> you learn how to plug it in. The Bible says in Romans 12 too, Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. There is a command to renew your mind. With what? The Word of God. If you don't have the Word, you're going to have a hard time. Period. You need the Word in your life. Now, when we talk about the, the, the soul, we are looking at different levels of consciousness. And this is where the heart really begins to make sense, and I'm going to explain to you why. See, I've heard people say, you know, well, once we get out of dualism, you know, soul and spirit are the same thing, you're either saved or you're a sinner, and when you're a saved person, you can't sin, and when you're a sinner, you need to get saved, and then we just... Ring around a rosy, pocket full of posies, ashes, ashes. We all fake it. <laughs> fake! <laughs> I did it again, right? And so, you know, we just see how many Sundays can I make it before my fakeness doesn't flake out on me. And um, it's uh, because we don't know how to deal with the deeper issues. Now, some people, though, when we get out of dualism, we, we begin to say, okay, well, we have a soul and a spirit. What, what do we do with the heart? And some people say, well, the heart is the spirit. They're like the same thing. So you get saved, and Jesus Christ comes in your heart, right? And so we've heard that language before. It's like, yeah, that, that makes sense to some people. And, and I, I think it's actually very well warranted. It's a lot better to look at the heart as the spirit than to look at dualism and just to smash it all together and make no distinction between soul and spirit. And we're going to be talking more about spirit as we get there. I'm, I'm, what I'm doing is I'm actually taking you deeper. We're going down the, uh, the design. We're moving along the design. So... As I began to study it out, though, what I realized is that there were some inconsistencies with the viewpoint that the heart is the spirit and scripture. For instance, for instance, there's this idea that um, in the book of Ephesians, chapter 3, it says... I bow my knee to the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and on earth is named, that he would grant you according to the exceeding riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man that Christ would dwell in your hearts by faith. And I ask myself, 
Well, Paul is praying over Christians at Ephesus, praying for them that Christ would dwell in their hearts by faith. Why would Paul be confused if Christ were already in their hearts when they got saved? But then I began to learn that heart is a territory. Did you know that your heart can be divided? That your heart can have allegiances that serve different kingdoms? Allegiances that serve different kingdoms. I love Serving the poor, meeting needs. But I just am really, really sold on OxyContin. I cannot get off, and I don't want to. So you have drug addiction and a desire to bless the poor in the same life. Both of them are coming out of the same place. The heart. But I thought Jesus was in my heart. Well, is Jesus in your addiction to OxyContin? Well, that's not his territory. That's drug addiction's territory. So how do we make this make sense? Paul is praying that Christ would dwell in their hearts by faith. See, so see, we have a lot of this conversation. Then we begin to look at all these passages dealing with heart. And... So, I say this. When considering how to understand the heart, it can be difficult. Some have tried to understand it as the spirit. I believe, personally, this is an incorrect assessment. Just You can't make all of scripture make sense around it. I could quote a ton of scripture. I picked one. Although the confusion is warranted, to break the power of confusion, it helps to take a brief exploration into Hebrew and Greek in order to assess the terms from which we translate soul, heart, and spirit. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew word translated heart is leb. In the Greek New Testament, it is cardia. Leb. In its definitional characteristic, is used figuratively for the feelings, the will, and even the intellect. Likewise, the center of anything. Now, I told you that the soul is the mind, will, and the emotions. It sounds the same. As a matter of fact, all the definitional characteristics of the original language indicate that we're talking about a component of the soul. Oh, wait, Daniel, didn't you say that that's the part of us that takes a journey with God towards maturity? See, what we're doing is we're building a revelation on design that will allow us to partner with the promptings that God is attempting to give into our lives so we can get our proverbial vacuum cleaner plugged into the wall and work in the way it's supposed to. I want Christians to stop failing to achieve victory with God when they've already been given it but been blocked through lies and misunderstandings. Yeah. I'm trying to help you. So, 
the word leb is used in contrast to Hebrew words nefesh, neshama, and ruach. All of these words deal with internal elements of human design. The Hebrew. Ruach, while on occasion translated mind, has much more to do with the spirit realm. How do I know? The Bible calls the spirit of the Lord Ruach HaKodesh. The spirit of the Lord. What is that? That's spirit. Some of its definitions include wind, breath, and mind. Nefesh is translated as mind on occasion, but also used to reference the soul in general. Right? Literally, it refers to a breathing creature, but has mind and person as its definitions in addition to heart. Oh, interesting. So now we're talking about soul and heart again in the same conversation with um, nefesh. Another Hebrew word that's important is neshama. It means breath or life. Genesis 2.7 says, And the Lord formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath, or neshama, of life. And man became a living nefesh, or soul. So, Leb, most often translated heart, is different from all of these. It has definitional characteristics that seem to allude most closely to those that relate to the function of the soul. This is why I understand the heart as the lowest component of the soul but also serving as a gateway to the Spirit. Because it interfaces with the Spirit. Which is why Paul can say Christ who is Spirit would dwell in your heart by faith. You're talking an interface point that God designed with a purpose. And it's very clear that it has to be an interface point because the Bible says in Romans 2.29 But he is a Jew which is one inwardly and circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit and not in the letter whose praise is not of men but of God. This language in the New Testament literally means or reads cardia and pneuma heart in spirit. So there is a component of our heart that is in our spirit. So Jesus can come into our hearts. Just the question is how much of that heart is he occupying? This makes even more sense when you begin to look at something like the parable of the sower, how the sower went out to sow. And he sowed the word of the kingdom. The ground, well, the Bible says that the enemy came and snatched up the seed on the wayside ground. Jesus said that that wayside ground was the heart. So we look at 
how there are different powers vying for the territory known as the heart. As a matter of fact, I have said that the heart is the primary real estate of the spirit realm. Because the spirits that rule the hearts of men, rule the societies that occupy the geographies on this planet. Very good. So God said to Samuel, 1 Samuel 16:7, look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature. Because I have refused him. For the Lord sees not as man sees, and for the Lord looketh for man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. What does God see in the part of you that is his interface point between things soul and spirit? Does he see Christ occupying ever continual degrees of territory? Or does he see you writing off deeds to all of the different styles of bondage that you invite? And proof. Go ahead and camp there. Addiction. Self-hatred. Bitterness. Identity crisis. I have a seat for you. Take a throne. Take a throne in my heart. We have found in dealing with cosmic powers, which are fallen hosts of heaven, I deal with these guys all the time, one of the key components of getting a person set free is finding the area where that power has established a throne in them. And it's always somewhere within the territory of their heart. And they have to surrender that territory to Jesus and have Jesus take the throne. Come on. Very good. So, when we're talking about the heart, we find the same conversation going on in the Hebrew or the Greek New Testament. Cardia has definitional characteristics just like love. They are of the soul. But we're having this one singular conversation. The heart becomes the lowest part of our soul. So you can call it your subconscious. Here's the interesting thing about the subconscious. We do not have direct access to the thoughts of our subconscious. So, let's say I pour a cup of water on you while you're sleeping, slap you a few times. How do you feel about yourself? You know, I hate myself. I'm glad we're finally being honest. Because you are waking up out of what? A brainwave state that has dropped you into your subconscious. We're talking alpha, delta waves. You're sleeping. You're in your subconscious while you sleep. This is science. That's why when you wake up out of sleep, you're still there. The honesty level is profound. You know. How many spouses have ever tried to get some information? <laughs> Question! Like, oh, oh, no, oh, you're cheating! 
I'm not trying to put any ideas. <laughs> okay. So we're talking about a deeper level. So the heart is really, best understood, the lowest component of your soul interfacing with your spirit. But you, in your waking hours, don't have direct access to what's going on in there. So while I make you up and make the truth out, you know, later on I'm talking to you, I'm saying, so how do you feel about yourself? Well, I feel fine. Lie. Okay. Um, I really think that you should stop hating yourself. Okay. You know, it, it doesn't do any good. So the preachers, we get up here, we're like, stop sitting! And get saved. Right? And we go back to that dualism idea. It's like, it doesn't work. Fine, I'll come up here, say that prayer, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no change. It's like, where's the power to change? Where's the ability? I just don't get it. We're running in circles. <laughs> you know? And uh, I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm all about breaking the cycle. That's what I do. I am... I, I, I am a breakthrough specialist. So God sends me people that have come out of high-ranking satanic cults, people in the Illuminati, people that work with global rulers and controllers. The best that the devil has got and the most extreme cases that he has been able to, I mean, create. I'm the guy that God's sending them to. So we kind of figured out a few things because guess what? If they can get some breakthrough, y'all can get some breakthrough. You know. So we've understood though that the subconscious is this part of us that we don't really have direct access to. So how do we get access? I say there's three main ways to program the subconscious. Revelation, repetition, and trauma. So God says... Ephesians chapter 1. That you would receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ. Where do you find the knowledge of Christ? The word of God. The wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ. The eyes of your cardia. Your heart being enlightened that you would know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches and the glory of his inheritance in the saints? You can't even identify with the inheritance God seated in you to receive to himself. Do you have a revelation in Christ that has been established in your heart? So, revelation is one of the ways that God gets New operational paradigms in our subconscious. So in the presence of God, you are able to get downloads. In the word of God, you are able to get downloads that immediately break something off your life. It's a shift that occurs. Your belief system itself changes. When you realize that revelation is a shortcut to your own reprogramming, what you begin to do is say, God... Maybe we should look at how I can position myself for some reprogramming. 
I'll tell you what, you'll look at worship a whole new way when you begin to realize that worship and that atmosphere that you can generate between you and God and intimacy is a revelatory realm you can learn to just develop and abide in as a lifestyle. So, what happens though is that if we don't understand how to access revelation, we can at least do it the more practical way and go for repetition. Stand in the mirror and tell yourself you love yourself a hundred times a day for 40 days. You know, and people will pay literally $500 to go to a conference to have someone tell them that. Praise God for his word where you can get it for free. Repetition works. It works. So the Bible says meditate on the word day and night. So even if the revelation isn't coming immediately, the repetition will all by itself change your operating system. It will reprogram you. You can look at your subconscious as an internal CPU. So you want to get breakthrough in your life, begin looking at what's in your heart and looking at how you can reprogram your heart to cooperate with the breakthrough you're looking for. Revelation, repetition. I gave you two keys. Now, you can do what the kingdom of darkness does and produce trauma. Oh, and it works so well. Because if I, as your parent, abandon you over and over and over, I will create trauma that puts in your belief system, you're not worth my time, you're not worth anyone's time, you're not even worth God's time. No one cares about you. Program. And that thing keeps running. Doesn't matter whether you're 14 years old struggling through the actual events or 40 years old living in the ditch. Listening to God has raised you up and seated you in Christ in heavenly place and you're like, yeah. Amen. Live one day in my head and see how much sense that makes to you, preacher. Dan to fall. <laughs> I had someone come on one of our YouTubes. I can't stand this guy. He laughs too much. His maniacal laugh is driving me nuts. <laughs> I just, yeah. <laughs> I should have done that. I should have come there. Well, you should have slapped that one off. Um, you know, so this begins a conversation on dissociation which is how we cope with trauma. Dissociation, is, which is how we cope with trauma, is a component of the conversation I'm having with you today. Many of you are locked into cycles of failure, behavior patterns, 
and disappointment because you haven't realized the role that association has played in your life. This conversation is related to the conversation on the heart. This is how it works. We'll pick on physical abuse. So, three-year-old is sitting there getting belted to a pulp. Can the three-year-old get away? No. Can the three-year-old find a safe place? No. Because the person that's belting them is their safe place. Mom, dad, grandpa. They're getting belted to a pole. There is literally nowhere that they can go. As a matter of fact, is Jesus going to stop mom or dad or grandpa from belting them to a pole? There's this thing. It's called free will. God said, you know, you're going to give an account for your decisions. So, if they decide to do that horrible thing, unless someone is there to physically stop them, it will continue. Evil prevails when good men do nothing. So, with no options, none, the child will find a way to go away. But it's not going to be in the physical. It's going to be in their soul. And, if they're very creative, in their spirit as well. In the soul. What they will do is they will depart from the event. They're going to go down. They're going to go away. They're going to draw back. As they draw back, they are distancing themselves from the reality. They are depersonalizing from it. It's happening, but it's not happening to me. I, I can't even identify with the person that's happening to because that person that's getting beat to a pulp, raped, it's not me. So, they dissociate. Now what did I say? I said the heart is the lowest component of the soul. When you are going away, you are actually distancing your consciousness into your subconscious. But the mind can never fully abdicate a situation or an event. So what happens is that the part of our mind that stays in the moment, that can't get away with the rest of our identity that we are trying to preserve, gets to own the identity abused, wow. raped, wow. hated, disregarded, worthless. And then the miracle happens. The event stops. 
And the part of me that is me, that doesn't identify with that, says, excuse me, you abused, hated, worthless person. I'm back. Oh, and by the way, I can't even see you because you're not part of my life. It's what we call an amnesic wall. And so, through trauma, the enemy will create parts of a person that function as fragments of the soul. That will identify with things that we would rather pretend place in our lives. Yet, because they are in our hearts, they run background programs. Background programs. Anyone know what happens to a computer when it's running 10,000 backup programs? It slows down. <laughs> it's not streamlined. It's laggy. And the thing is, God's sitting there looking at abuse, self-hatred, bitterness. And then I come to a person, I say, well, how do you feel about your mom? Oh, just fine. Yeah, you know, she was kind of tough, but I'm over it. I'm okay. Does all of you agree with that? This is the reality of dissociation. Actually, we train ourselves to deny the very truth that is resident deep within our hearts. And we build amnesia to it. So as a breakthrough specialist, I'm an expert in helping people <laughs> to get beyond that amnesia wall and connect with the truth of what's going on in their hearts. Because guess what? When abused learns that God loves them too, and not just the person that got to go away. Abused and the person get to hold hands, stand in the glory of God together, and be one whole in Christ. So, both of you are preaching myself. So Isaiah 61 comes in and says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Does anyone have a new revelation of what it means to be bound up as one who has been brokenhearted? Brokenhearted is something that has really evaded the understanding of the church. And our brokenness has been a barrier to intimacy with God because there are parts of us that can't possibly identify with the idea that God loves them because they're still stuck in self-rejection. That's what the angels are here for. That really, really touched some of you. And there are some of you that have background noise working because of the fellow servants I call the angels that you're not really conscious of right now, but it'll catch up to you later. 
because you're sitting here, you're not going to escape this environment. It's, it's just going to happen. Things are going to open up for some of you after this. God's going to take some of you places. You are going to find breakthrough if you cooperate and do not allow the lies of the devil to steal breakthrough from you. Say, so, you know what, I'd rather let all of that stay there and ignore it than open myself up to understanding it, looking at it, and letting Jesus touch it. And then there's a the spirit. Can you believe? We have walked through the conscious mind, the presenting component of our ability to interface mind, will, and emotions with the world into the subconscious, which is an internal CPU, a place where territory is battled over, a place that runs background programs, our belief system. As a matter of fact, this is why the Bible says in Proverbs 23, 7, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Did you know that if you have abused in your heart, there'll always be something for the devil to trigger? Yeah. Hated? There'll always be something for the devil to trigger. I'm hated. It's in there. So someone comes to you and they say, you know, it would be really nice if you could do this just a little differently. You hate me. Now we realize why we have all our interpersonal problems. We walk around getting triggered left, right, and center, and we're living to be fake. <laughs> we just don't even know what's going on. We would rather ignore it, pretend like it's not there. But it is. Triggers happen when background noise in our subconscious gets brought to the surface through presenting events. And all the married people said, Amen. <laughs> um, but the Bible also talks about our spirit. And this is where this whole thing really, really breaks open. And I'm going to break it open in about 10 minutes. There's a lot of conversation to have on the Spirit. The Bible says, John 4.23, But the hour comes and now is when true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeks such to worship Him. Now, I said that you have a conscious mind, you have a subconscious mind. There is another component of you. It is your spirit. It is your pneuma. It is your ruach. And your spirit is designed for certain reasons. One of those is the part of you that's actually able to engage God in true worship. Why? It's the part of you that is designed to be where God is. Back to where we started. We are raised up and seated with Christ in heavenly place. Well, where are you sitting? You know, well, my body is sitting here. My soul is all, uh, we don't want to talk about that right now, Dan, of all thanks. But the spirit 
is the trans-dimensional component of your design that by design is able to occupy both your body and a position in heaven in Christ spanning dimensions. That is why the Bible makes sense. But many of us are so disconnected from our spirit, we can't possibly make that make sense. The Bible says in Hebrews 4.16, Let us come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. The throne of grace. God's throne to us, who are now found and seated in Christ, becomes a throne of grace, a throne of unmerited favor, a throne of the finished work, a throne of his ability. Because when the Father looks at us, he sees Jesus. Because we are in him. So we come boldly to that throne of grace. That is our spirit. That is a transdimensional component of who you are. But if you are completely severed and disconnected from your spirit, you can never make that a reality that you walk in. But when I drift into worship, when I drift into tongues, when into prayer... My reality is that I'm sitting with God and talking with Him. And I've said this many times. I mean, you know, I do this thing. I call it Sup with Jesus Sundays. We are our church on Friday nights, CE Church. And on Sundays, I'll spend two, three hours with God. And I'll just sit there and we just talk. I will often hear God word for word. But that is because I am connected to my spirit, which is the trans-dimensional component of who I am that can be there where God is. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6.17, he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him, not one soul. Many Christians spend their entire lives living out of their soul Everything's a soulish response. Soulish Christians are really good at being fake Christians. We learn the formula. It all becomes, how are people perceiving me? Am I making all of my ducks in a row so that those that are around me in my community think it's okay? I'm all good. This is the conversation that breaks everything open because did you know that the identity that God has for you is delivered to your spirit? Assignment is woven into the very fabric of your spirit. If you can't connect with your spirit, it's very, very hard to connect to true assignments. We can make them up. We can do good things. But true purpose. How many people have ever asked, what is my true purpose? We're disconnected from our spirits. So we keep trying to make one up. Or follow somebody that seems to have a good idea about what it is. No one ever told us that we could connect to our 
human spirits, which are the part of us that's connected to the suits. This is what we do when we plug the vacuum cleaner into the wall. And suddenly there's an unveiling of purpose which is always honoring our own design. Because we're not all designed the same. And so... On the journey to uh, understand human spirits, I, I began with, with survivors, working with them. And, and many times as I was explaining to you how we create these dissociations to cope with things that happen to us. I spent a lot of time working with survivors talking to their dissociated parts. I called them abuse. I called them self-hatred. I called them bitterness. And, you know, they can have names. Sally, Sue, George, so on and so forth. As I'm breaking down the amnesic walls, I'll talk to them. That's where memories will be able to come back and present to the person. It's, I, I don't even remember having gone through that horrible thing. It was literally walled off. Sometimes that interfaces with the body. There'll be ab reactions because the body will re-experience the trauma or pain that was being inflicted upon it. It's just really, really, really interesting. And then I learned that I could do this. I could say, um, I'm talking to Susan. I say, I want to talk to Susan's spirit. And so there would be parts, Sally, Betty, Faith, and then there would be this one that would come forward that would be maybe a couple feet taller than everyone else, shiny, bigger. Hi, Susan's spirit, how are you? Oh, it's okay, I'm doing all right. I learned that I could deal with a person's human spirit the same way I addressed the dissociated components of the soul. And then I took a step further and realized that some parts of the soul actually have allocated to them pieces of the spirit. Then I started realizing with some people that I could have fragments of spirit, so there was definitely pieces of the spirit. It was wild. And then I stumbled on Psalm 5117. It says the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart. And when I looked up the word broken, it was the word shabar, which means to break in pieces. Literally, if I have a vase, I throw it on the ground and it shatters. And I said, that language is applied to the spirit. So when the brokenness goes so far over the top, it actually becomes possible that our even spirits are broken, needing to be put back together by the power of Jesus. It's wild. But as we got into this ministry, dealing with the human spirit on that level, I realized that I was dealing with a part of a person that understood purpose, that understood design, that was connected to the Spirit of God that was able to be seated with Christ in heavenly places, have all these functionalities. I said, wow. And then I said, if I can talk to all of their spirits, and they're dissociated, maybe I can talk to mine. And so one day I sat in my office and I said, Daniel's spirits, I invite you to come forward. Whew. 
I felt so small. And it was profound because the first thing out of my spirit's mouth was a statement of identity. And he began to speak to me, and it was reverberating right here. That's where I heard him from. Here. Reverberating. All the components of identity that I was writing into my prayer journal and arguing with God about. God, no way. God, that's too good. God, that's too big. And my spirit just spoke it. And then I realized that I was not only arguing with God, I was also arguing with my own spirit who agreed with God. And then I realized that the natural man does not comprehend the things of the spirit. Can I tell you, each and every one of you here has a component of your design that is united to the spirit of God? that you can connect with, that you can execute life in partnership with. The last point I'm going to bring up is this idea that the human spirit comes in facets. This is something that's important for you to know. The human spirit is designed in facets, so the Bible says... In the book of Isaiah chapter 11, for the spirit of the Lord is upon me, the spirit of might, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of understanding. There's seven spirits. The sevenfold spirit of God. And because we are made in the image of God, we have been given a sevenfold spirit as well. It comes as fast as think it's a, a uh, solitaire diamond. It's one diamond, but you cut the facets, and you can look at it from different angles. It reflects the light in different ways. They can look different depending on how you hold that thing. So there are three categories, I say three main categories of charismas found in the Bible. What is the word charismas? It comes from the Greek word charis. That's grace. Mus. When you add that component of it, it becomes gifts. And there are three main lists of gifts, and they're associated with the three persons of the Godhead. It's profound. So when you get into 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we read that all these gifts work by the self-same spirit. The gift of tongues, interpretation of tongues, prophecy, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discerning of spirits, gift of faith, gift of healings. Working of miracles. We have nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. Of the Holy Spirit listed in 1 Corinthians 12. But then we go and read in Ephesians chapter 4 that God gave gifts unto men. Charisma. What is that? That is apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. What are those? Offices. Who gave them? Jesus. The five-fold ministry is how he has dispersed the fullness of his ministry to the church. They come as offices. They are gifts. And then we get to Romans 12. Also, charismas. I call these the gifts of the Father. And these gifts 
are components or facets of human design, meaning the components that are your spirit. And so, the Bible says, as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having them gifts, charismas, differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith or ministry. Let us use it in our ministry. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. I always thought, well, how does that make sense? What are those gifts of the spirit, gifts of the what, service gifts? People call it motivational gifts. And then I realized by talking to my own spirit, that I could talk to Daniel's prophet, to Daniel's ruler or leader, to Daniel's exhorter, to Daniel's mercy, to Daniel's giver, and my spirit man would rotate and speak to me out of that facet. How did you do that, Daniel? I just sat there like I would if I was to pray, and I spoke to my own spirit. And I could tell the voice of the Holy Spirit, the voice of my spirit, the voice of my prophet, the voice of my... They actually all carried a different thing. It's profound. When all seven of these components are aligned and fully released in Christ, we enter in a whole new dimension of capacity for relationship with God an execution of our ministry in the earth. I've given you keys today. Keys. There is so much to unpack on what I've told you, but I don't have time, obviously, to unpack this for all of you individually. These are keys, though. This is what you take back with God and say, God, help me to explore what Daniel has told me because I want my vacuum cleaner plugged into the wall. I want to be effective. So I'm going to pray for you. Then Paul's going to close us out. Father God, we come before you in prayer in the mighty name of Jesus. And Lord God, I thank you for the truth of your word and the mysteries of our design unveiled that we would be able to know how to partner with your spirit of truth in order that we can achieve new levels of operation in Christ. Lord, you said in your word that we all with open face, behold, as in a glass, the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord we desire change. We desire a shift. We desire greater power. We desire greater intimacy. Lord God, I declare that there is assignments on those in this room for strategic strategic collapse of dissociative and amnesic barriers that healing can be brought in to areas authored by your spirit and a revelation of Jesus Christ. Lord God, I declare that the spirit persons of everyone in this room is blessed in the name of Jesus. I declare that angels overshadow the entire arena 
with vials of oil. And I declare that oil is being poured out over every person here. Oil of anointing, of healing, of ordaining in the name of Jesus. Lord God, I loose living water to pass through the hearts of those that are here. Lord God, I thank you for a distribution of the bread of life to parts of people and fragments that have felt completely ignored, rejected, and never to be acknowledged. Lord God, I thank you for the love of the Father and for your heart being unveiled in new ways and in new facets for those that are here. Lord God, it is the day that you have made. We are going to rejoice and be glad in it. Lord, we trust that you are faithful who promises. Lord God, we thank you that you make us to lay down in green pastures. You lead us beside still waters. You restore our souls. Discovering the Truth with Dan DeVall is the premier radio program designed to center you on the kingdom of God, to equip you with faith in Jesus Christ, and to unveil the truth behind the lies. This program has been a production of Bride Ministries. You can find us at www. Dot bridemovement.com At our website, you can contact us, access resources, and support us with donations. We need partners in order to continue to produce our vision, which is to promote unity in the body of Christ worldwide and assist in the creation and development of sheep nations. Partner with us and be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Until next time, God bless and Godspeed.